Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God, and I would like you to turn to two different passages in God's Word. First of all, the book of Titus in chapter number 1. The book of Titus and chapter number 1. In addition, when you find Titus, hold your finger, and we're going to also look at the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to look at Titus first, but I also want you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to read both of these texts to start off with as we're introducing the man of Titus. We're in the series of the pastoral epistles and we understand that the book of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus was not written to churches, but they were written to individuals who were behaving, acting in the office of a pastor. And that both of these men were men that Paul had trained, his sons in the faith that he had discipled, he had trained, and became great helpers in the work that God had given to Paul. As we examine these, we want to take some time to look at the character, the person of Titus. Who is this Titus that God is using uh, alongside with Paul, this man that Paul is putting so much trust and instruction to. We know a little bit about Timothy. We've done some instruction before, and most people are, are more familiar with Timothy than they are of Titus. So if you don't mind, let's take some time and actually look and examine the life of Titus. And we're going to look at two passages, the book of Titus, chapter number one, and then immediately we're going to go to the book of Second. Corinthians and chapter number 8. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you don't mind, first of all, the book of Titus. Notice with me in the book of Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, that which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, my own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. If you don't mind, turn with me now to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we will continue, if you don't mind, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 16, the Bible says this, But thanks be to God, which put in the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace which is administered by us 
the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 and notice with me in verse 20. Avoiding this that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. Providing for honest things. Not only in the sight of the Lord but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things. But now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. And whether any do inquire of Titus he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you. Or our brother be inquired of. They are the messengers of the churches. And the glory of Christ. Wherefore show ye to them. And before the churches. The proof of your love. And our boasting on your behalf. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible. Will you mark a phrase that we find. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And notice Paul's description of Titus. And. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 23 where it says my partner and fellow helper partner and fellow helper and with this we're going to do a character study on the man of Titus and see that as Paul described him he is a partner and fellow helper partner Titus is the partner and fellow helper. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you now as we're able to open up the Bible and examine this man of Titus. And we know that he is a historical man. This isn't just a a person that's put in fiction or in literature. But this was a real man who was a true help to the Apostle Paul. And he was trusted. And he was he was recommended to other churches that this is someone that will be a help. Lord, as we examine this man's life and see the life and the message that it has, that we could apply it to our own lives and that we would desire to be fellow helpers in the work that you have. Again, we ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit now, that you could get across the message that you want, that you could work in the hearts the way that you desire, that everything that is said and done would be to your glory, to your honor, to what you want to get accomplished. Let me just set myself out of the way, and we love you. Thank you again for being a wonderful God. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you don't mind... We're going to do a character study. I love character studies. We know that there are several ways to study the Bible. You could study the Bible by its books, which is one of my favorite ways to be able to take a book and go verse by verse and explore the book and to learn about that book of the Bible. You could study the Bible by its great themes, and there's great themes to the Bible. The great theme of the scarlet thread of redemption, the golden strand of Jesus' second coming. Those are woven all throughout the Word of God. You could study the Bible by its topics like the topic of hell as we covered in the book and Sunday school this morning to be able to explore the awfulness of hell and that real people are going to that real place. You could study the Bible by its words and there are great words of scripture that you could study the words and see how the words are used in the word of God and see why God chose that word in the first place. And then they're studying the Bible by its characters because every life teaches a message. Every life has a message, including your life. That we know that when we die, that all we're going to get is a nice gravestone with <laughs> our name, the year we were born, and the year we died. And all we have is a little dash in between that time. That's our life, is that little dash. And maybe some of you might even have a little statement, a loving mother. 
But what would be the statement of your life? Because every life teaches a message. For the Apostle Paul, this is how he summarized Timothy's, or Titus's life. You want to know about Timothy? If I could sum Timothy up in two words, it would be this. My partner and fellow helper. Wouldn't that be a wonderful phrase to be called? You know who that is? That's the partner in the ministry. That's my fellow helper. That carries the idea of someone that can be trusted. Someone that you could put confidence in. My partner and fellow helper. So if you don't mind, we're going to examine the life of Titus. Learn more about this man who was the son, of, uh, son in the faith of the Apostle Paul. And let's look and see the message that Titus's life had as he was summarized as my partner and fellow helper. If you don't mind, the very first thing I'd like to show you in the Word of God is his conversion. His conversion. How did he come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior? With that, if you don't mind, turn back with me to the book of Titus. The book of Titus and chapter number 1. The book of Titus and chapter number 1. And let's look and explore how did Titus come to know Jesus Christ as his personal savior. You know, everyone has a story to tell. And if you're going to have a story of following Jesus, it begins with this. How did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior? Notice with me in the book of Titus chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and by the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, that God, which cannot lie, promised before the world began. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith. So notice this. How did Titus come to know Jesus Christ? Well, Paul said it's out of the common faith. That means it's a faith that is available to everyone. It wasn't a faith that was available just to a few people. It was available to everyone. What is this faith? Well, notice with me again in verse number one as we just take our time here. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. So we understand it starts off that there's a truth. And you recognize what the truth is. What is the truth that God is declaring? Verse 2. In the hope of eternal life. Which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. What is this promise? Well the Bible explains throughout the passages a simple truth. That we know that heaven is a perfect place. That's why we want to go there. Up in heaven, there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more tears. It's perfect. But the problem is, is that we are not perfect. The Bible gives us uh, a standard to live up to called the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, it says to honor thy father and thy mother. We would summarize it like this, to obey your folks. Well, you know that we've all disobeyed our folks. Let me put it to the test. If you've ever disobeyed your folks, raise your hand. We have parents who are looking at their kids to make sure they raise their hand now. You know what we're admitting? That we, we've disobeyed our folks. We admit that we're not perfect. Another one of the Ten Commandments, which is a standard that God measures us to, the Bible says that thou shall not bear false witness. We would summarize it like this, don't tell lies. Well, let's put it to the test. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. 
We've all told lies. We've all broken God's commandment. The Bible says that because we've broken God's commandment, we are a sinner. Because we've broken God's law, we have sinned. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The standard to get into heaven is perfection, but all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's perfection. What that means, logically, is that you can't set something that's not perfect and set it into a perfect place. It would ruin it. It's almost like uh, someone having kids and their kids go out and play in the mud and their clothes are all muddy and they take their muddy clothes and put it on a clean pile of clothes that mom just got through washing. What would happen to those clothes? They would be dirty by association. Well, God can't allow anything. He's got to protect heaven. He has to keep it perfect. So he can't allow anything that's not perfect to go to a perfect place. The Bible says the same thing in the book of Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Where it says, for the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that because we've broken God's law, we have sinned. The wages of sin, the word wage, carries the idea of a payment. For example, when we go to work, we earn money. That's called a wage or a payment. It's our reward. It's what we get because of our deed. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The word death there literally carries the idea of separation. For example, if we were to have a funeral here and have a casket up here at the front, we would say that person is dead. Why? Because their body is here, but their soul is separated out. Well, the Bible also explains that when we die, there's only two places to go. A wonderful place called heaven or an awful place called hell. Do you know that God never created hell for a single person to go there? He created hell to punish Satan and his demons. Man goes to hell by default because he doesn't deserve to go to heaven and there's nowhere else to go. Well, you say, preacher, that's bad news. That is bad news. But let me tell you what the good news is. God finished off the verse in Romans 6.23 where he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God wanted everyone to go to heaven, so what he did is he robed himself in flesh as the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came down on this earth and lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. Then he died to pay the price that you and I owed him. And what's more is he did it for free. To go to heaven, you don't have to help little old ladies cross the street. To go to heaven, you don't have to go to church. To go to heaven, you don't have to uh, pay money to the church. Now, all those things are good things and things we ought to do. But the only thing that's required for us to go to heaven is to acknowledge that we're a sinner and realize that because of our sin, we deserve punishment, but that Jesus died for me. And then I must personally accept Jesus as my Savior. I have to agree to the terms. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That whosoever means anybody. Anybody. This is what Paul is saying to Titus, that he was his son after the common faith. It means it's available for anyone. If you're a whosoever, that verse is for you. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish or go to that awful place called hell, but have everlasting life. 
You know that whosoever means you and that whosoever means me. You know you could put your own name in John 3, 16. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that if you would believe in him, you should not perish but have everlasting life. You are that whosoever. You are of that common faith that anyone can get saved. Aren't you glad it's not available to just a certain amount of people? Aren't you glad it's not restricted to only 144,000? Heaven would be fooled up and we'd be out of luck. Aren't you glad it's not just the people who could pay a million dollars? How many of you would be able to make it to church if you had to pay a million dollars, or make it to heaven if you had to pay a million dollars to go to heaven? I'm not seeing any hands. God has made it so it's a free gift and all you have to do is accept God's terms that Jesus died for you. And all you have to do is accept that free gift that he gave to you. That's as easy as it is. Jesus did all the work. And that's how Titus got saved. Notice again with me in verse number one of Titus. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, and an apostle of Jesus, uh, servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and to the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in the hope of eternal life. That's the hope we have that God promised us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, which God, notice this, that cannot lie. Aren't you glad that when you get to heaven, God said, nope, psych. It's an old 80s word. That means I didn't mean it. Aren't you glad that when you go to heaven, you said, I accepted you, and God said, no, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Not for you. Aren't you glad that when he says, I forgive you, he means it? He meant it. He said, I'll forgive you. All you have to do is take this gift. That is it. God cannot lie. You know what that means for John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. God meant it. It wasn't a joke. There's no strings attached. God cannot lie. He's giving you this. And notice where he's placing this idea that God can't lie. It's the idea of eternal life. He is not lying. When he said you could get saved, you could have your sins forgiven, you could go to heaven, you could be washed clean because of Jesus Christ, because of eternal life. Isn't that good news? Verse number three, but hath in due times manifested his word. That means made alive his word through preaching. You know what we're doing now? Is we're making alive God's word. God's doing it by his spirit. God is through the preaching of God's word, maybe some of you have never heard clearly how to accept Jesus as your Savior. You know how you're hearing it now? Through preaching! And through the preaching of God's word, you're going, I understand it now. That's what God does through preaching, is make his word come alive, make it understandable, so we could receive it and we could apply it. Notice, if you don't mind, to verse number four now. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we start off with the conversion. There was a time that Titus realized that he was a sinner. And because of his sin, he had offended a holy, righteous God. But there was a time that Titus realized it was Jesus. It was Jesus who, saved, who washed away his sin. And Titus accepted Jesus as his personal Savior. He became saved that's a bible term that we use meaning that he's been forgiven of his sins he no longer owes god the debt of hell again and he is saved he's been converted 
The Bible goes on to say after he became converted, he served in churches. And in Galatians 2.1, it says that Paul started to bring him on his missionary journeys and began to disciple him and to train him. So we start off with his conversion. And the next time we see him after he got saved and following after Paul, we see him, secondly, in Corinth. In Corinth. If you don't mind, turn back to, with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. In the book of 2 Corinthians... In the book of 2 Corinthians, and we find more about Titus. Notice with me in 2 Corinthians in chapter number 2. The book of 2 Corinthians in chapter number 2. So the apostle Paul began to plant churches. He began to start churches in different places like Ephesus, Philippi, and including the land of Corinth. Corinth was a city in the Greek peninsula. They have the Isthmus of Corinth. And basically... It was a sailing city. It was a city where they had a, a little bit of a, a canal. So ships didn't have to sail all the way around the, the peninsula. They could go straight across. And so they had people, who, sailors, it was their job to almost drag a ship through the isthmus and to bring it to the other side. And so these were hardworking sailors. This was a sailor town. And along with the sailor town came the, the, the uh, culture of hard work uh, laborers just working for the Lord and they did have some wealth behind it but it was a hard-working town and Titus began to fall in love with the people of Corinth he began to have a heart for them and so Paul was able to trust him notice with me if you don't mind we could see Titus in Corinth notice with me in the book of Second uh, Corinthians in chapter number two. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and notice with me in verse number 13 uh, Chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, to start off with. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, and I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went thence into Macedonia. Now, what's going on here is that Paul heard about some issues going on in the in the uh, church of Corinth. He heard that they were doing all kinds of things wrong. The book of 1 Corinthians is a very hard book of correction, talking about the problems with their divisions, problem with them observing the Lord's Supper, problems with using gifts incorrectly. And over and over, he's giving all these corrections, telling them, no, the sign gifts are not to say, hey, look at me. They're used to win people to the Lord. Uh, he gives instructions about how to do them properly. He gives instructions about trying to look towards the Lord. And then he sends Titus with this very hard book to a bunch of people who are carnal inside of the church. And Titus hasn't come back yet. And Paul's kind of worried. It's, it's always hard to correct someone, especially when it's by mail, slow mail. And this time it's a carrier. So Titus goes and he delivers this message to Corinth. And Paul's saying, uh oh, I wonder what's happening. Timothy, or Titus isn't back yet. I wonder where he's at. And Paul's starting to get worried. What if the people don't accept it? What if they don't listen? What if they go in full rebellion? What's going to happen? Where's Titus at? I want to know what's going on. And that was the days before email and texting and before the ideas. He had to wait and just wait. And so he's disquieted in his spirit. Eventually, Titus did come back. Notice with me in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, notice with me in verse 6. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us. 
by the coming of Titus. And then he goes on. Titus uh, did catch back up and deliver the response. He said, hey, Paul, most of them accept it. Most of them said, you know what? We messed up. So they're not in rebellion. Things are going well. So what Paul did is that Paul began to write the book of 2 Corinthians and began to give a follow-up to the Corinthian church, which we find in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where we started at before, notice with me in verse 16. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you, saying, Titus cares for you. Let me tell you something about Titus. He cares what happens to your church. He loves you so much, and he wants the best for you. Verse number 8, and we have sent with him, so with Titus, the brother. We believe that this is uh, Dr. Luke, whose praise is in the gospel throughout the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us in this grace, which is administered to us in the glory of the same Lord and the declaration of your ready mind. And so what's happening is that they are starting to collect money for missions. And so as missions projects are happening around the world, they didn't have a such thing as FedEx or they didn't have a such thing as MoneyGram. How they had to travel, they didn't have bank accounts that you could do a computer transfer. So if you were going to transfer money from one place to another, you had to hand carry it. And so Paul has sent Titus, Dr. Luke, and then another man that the church has voted in with the purpose of going to Corinth, picking up the missions money, and bringing it to help support the missionary projects around the world. You know, in order to be trusted with that a lot of money, you had to be trusted, not only by the Apostle Paul, but you had to be trusted with the church. I mean, whenever finances are involved, you need people that are trustworthy, people that are above reproach. And so Paul's saying, I'm sending Timothy or Titus because you trust him. This is someone who loves you, someone who wants the best for you, someone who's not going to hurt you. And there's accountability. We got Dr. Luke and we got this other guy that everyone else voted for. And they're going to take care of the money and make sure nothing happens to it. Notice if you don't mind in verse 20 as he continues with this idea. Avoiding this that no man should blame us in the abundance which is administered to us. Providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord but also in the sight of men. Again we're putting accountability so that way we can be honest not only before the Lord but also that men can say hey they're doing things right. Verse 22. And we have sent with them our brother whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things but now much more diligent. Upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus. So going back to Titus. Hey, in case you have any questions about Titus, let me tell you about Titus. He's my partner and fellow helper concerning you. Or our brother be inquired of. They are messengers of churches in the glory of God. Whereby show ye to them before the churches the proof of your love and the boasting on your behalf. Now it goes up to Titus. And what Paul is saying is that Titus was a man of integrity. That means someone who could be trusted to do what's right when no one's looking. He's a man of discretion. Someone who's not going to advertise. Someone who's going to care for people's problem but not tell everything about it. He could use discretion. And he had zeal. And that he could be trusted not only to help a church spiritually. But he was so trusted that he could be trusted with the finances. And what Timothy is doing, or sorry, Titus is doing, is that this is someone who's made himself a partner to Paul. 
The partner that Paul can say, hey, Titus, you go over there and help him out. And it's just like if Paul was there because Titus was such a partner. He was going alongside. In addition, he said, you know what? Not only is he my partner, he's my fellow helper. That's someone who's going to help you. You know, we've all had people that come. Maybe they're on the workplace with you. That they're there, but they're not helpers. <laughs> they get in the way. Titus, he's going to be a helper. He's going to be someone that's going to help people to go from where they are and move forward. He's someone who cares for you. He's someone that loves you. He's someone who wants the best for you. And he's willing to help out wherever possible. What a great testimony that was. That is, he's dealing with the church of Corinth, which has a lot of carnal Christians, a lot of baby Christians who haven't grown up. These people have been able to trust Titus and say, we can trust him. He's someone that's going to be helping out. As that applies to us, are you a helper? Are you someone that people can trust that you're going to be faithful? Faithful in helping us out wherever possible. Helping the ministry move forward. To care for people. To love on them. To help them to move forward. So we could see that we start off with his conversion. That he came to know Jesus Christ as a savior. The next time we see him really helping out. He's helping with the church of Corinth. That Paul couldn't go to Corinth but Titus could. And so Titus delivers the letter. And he's faithful to trust to give him the word of God. He works with him for a while. And he was trusted to come back to, to Paul. Then Paul said I could trust him so much. I'm going to give him a second letter to deliver to you. And not only that. I'm going to trust him and Dr. Luke and this other guy. To take the finance that you give and make sure that they are delivered to help out the other projects that are going on around the world. That's a lot of trust to put in someone. But that's not all that Titus is known for. After he's converted, we see his conversion, how he came to know the Lord. We see him working in the church of Corinth. And next thing we see him, we see him in Crete. So conversion, Corinth, and now Crete. Turn with me, if you don't mind, back to Titus chapter number 1. Titus chapter 1. And we'll talk more about the island of Crete on Wednesday and what a fascinating history it has with King Minos, which the Minoan Empire, which even deals with mythology of the uh, Minotaur. Come on Wednesday, you'll hear more about this stuff and, and the place that he's supposed to serve. But notice as we're in the book of Titus, notice what Paul has sent uh, sent Titus to do on the island of Crete. Notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse 4. Titus chapter 1 and verse 4. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause, I left thee in Crete. All right, so that's pretty clear. All right. This is the reason why I sent you to Crete. I sent you to this island with about 60 cities in it. This is why I sent you to this island. That thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. So Titus, there are things that are out of order in the island of Crete. You're there to put things in order. You're to put them in the place. I'm trusting you to put things in order. By the way, the hardest thing to do in any ministry is to put things in order. To know what things are to be put in order. What things are to be left alone. But God is a God of order. God is a God who wants things in order. And this is Titus's job. Paul is trusting him to work in the island of Crete to set things in order and to ordain elders in every city. We've already covered the idea of elders, pastors in every city. 
that I've appointed thee. Titus, this is your job. This is why I put you there. To put things in order. To train people about the Bible. Then you train preachers and establish churches in all 60 cities of the island of Crete. This is your job. And you know what Paul said? I don't have to go to the island of Crete because I've got Titus there. And Titus, I'm trusting to train preachers for the ministry. I am trusting Titus to be on the island of Crete to set things in order. Why? Because he's my partner. He's my fellow helper. He went to the island of Crete because Paul could not. You understand that in a local church, God has directed the pastor to give, to do certain things. But the pastor can't do everything himself. So he needs people to go with him to be partners and fellow helpers to accomplish the thing that God has given him to do. For example, we have people who teach kids in the Sunday school class. You know why people are teaching kids in the Sunday school class? Because pastor can't do it. They're being a partner and a fellow helper going alongside to help accomplish what God has given this ministry to do. One person can't do it by themselves. You know what we need? We need partners and fellow helpers. Partners that we could say, I can trust them. I don't have to go babysit them. That I know that they're going to get accomplished what they're supposed to do. And I could trust them to do it so I can take care of this over here. And if we have enough people that are trusted partners and fellow helpers, there could be a lot to be accomplished. I could put you over here and you could take care of this retirement home. And that is your baby. And I could trust you that you're not going to skip out and then I have to take it back. I can trust you over here to disciple this other person and that I don't have to babysit you, that you've got it and it's taken care of. I can trust you over here to be passing out tracts and telling people about the Lord. I could trust you to be a partner, a fellow helper to teach us, to help teach these kids, little boys and girls about the Lord and to follow after him. You understand this covers everything that we need in this church. You know what we need most of all? Laborers. We need partners and fellow helpers to join in what God has given this church to do so we can move forward. Many hands make light work. If we have partners and fellow helpers, many things can get accomplished. You understand Paul was set responsible to reach the island of Crete, but he couldn't be everywhere at once so he could trust Timothy or Titus to go to the island of Crete to set things in order and to train preachers to, be, to pastor churches in all the islands of Crete. And Paul didn't have to go to the island of Crete because he could trust him there. What a wonderful testimony that was of Titus. That he was a partner and fellow helper. If you were to look at your life in regards to this church, would that be your title? What is the title of you in the church? I'm a partner and fellow helper. Is it something that would, could be said of you? Well, you understand everyone has a part. There's no such thing. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Everyone has a job to do. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone has something they could do to help this move forward. I was encouraged that earlier today, someone came out and said, Preacher, I got some time. What can I do to help? That's great. That's what we're looking for. Partners. And fellow helpers. So that way we could get more accomplished. Because pastor can't do everything. And as we have more fellow helpers. 
more things can get accomplished in this area as we follow the Lord. Partner and fellow helper. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.